Duncat Educational are a leading publisher of professional development books for educators around the world. Check out their titles at johncat.com. Welcome to EduBlether. So this episode is on parental engagement. We're quite excited about this episode. I think there's going to be lots to talk about. Uh, we've not got a really kind of fully formed plan of what we're going to talk about here. And I mean, usually we've got a very intricate plan about what we should talk about in EduBlether. But today it's going to be quite a fast and loose discussion about parental engagement. Um, I'd quite like to talk through some practical ideas, some ideas mm-hmm. of where we've seen really good practice, where we've heard of really good practice, but also maybe talk about it on a, a on a sort of wider theoretical uh, land, like a, a sort of theoretical underpinning of things to see what the impact of it is, what what is the research saying, what do people say about it? Does that sound yeah. okay? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, there's so much to talk about in parental engagement. I mean, First of all, what is parental engagement, you know, and what are the different types of engagement? What are the benefits of it? What are the drawbacks of it? Um, you know, like, there's just so much we can talk about, which is really interesting. So we'll probably only scratch the surface as usual, but hopefully it's an interesting uh, topic for discussion for you. And I think that's a really interesting place to be starting that discussion, actually. Um, I read something really interesting in uh, the EduMyths book that I was talking about last week and uh, it was talking about how differentiation is it's really difficult to understand differentiation because everyone has a different meaning or a different interpretation of what differentiation is so there isn't really a shared understanding of it and I think it's the same thing with parental engagement like what what do we actually mean by parental engagement and I think part of the part of the confusion can lead to there being a, a kind of real grey area around it or or sometimes just a bit of a misunderstanding so people thinking that I don't know just by sending emails out or sending out lots of communications to parents is good parental engagement so I suppose mm-hmm. it would be a good thing for us to get into what do we actually mean by parental engagement when we're talking about it what, what does yeah it- and I think I think what's interesting is the whole debate around involvement versus engagement yeah. Um, so I guess you know, is there that kind of tokenism where you're just yeah, you're you're sending information out to parents in a school, um, and it's really just a one-way communication stream. Whereas for me, engagement is a lot more about maybe parents being involved heavily in parent council, supporting decisions that the school are making, being part of the decision-making process, um, being really really engaged in. And kind of learning for young people and and how we make that even better so yeah I think there's so much in there isn't there around that and and now it's kind of in in law as well that obviously the the parental um responsibility to be part of a school's education and that, and that's quite interesting as well in terms of schools have to have a parent council or a parent body in which they consult um, and it's interesting whether that kind of compulsory measure actually improves parental engagement or does it reduce it? You know, is it a barrier like because you force people to to do something? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because as soon as you try and enforce any sort of consistency, uh-huh. you're automatically removing freedom from someone, aren't you? So you're having to say, well, what what worked before or what maybe didn't work before, I suppose, but mm-hmm. taking it away from the choice-based element and making it a enforced thing. I mean, I think I think that can only be a good thing. Do you know, I think ensuring that we've got at least that consistent model there means that we're that, that then we can share good practice there's I mean amazing stuff happening where parent councils can all come together and learn from one another and learn from that body and move forward so I think it's the fact that it's there now as an enforced strategy I think will develop and grow and progress from here but I think that is a good thing mm-hmm. one of one of the I suppose the concerns I have about that is that still really hard to have universal engagement isn't it and it's, yeah. it's almost the as soon as you start saying there's a parent council then it creates a, a 
small group, doesn't it? It creates a group where it's hard to then think, how do you engage? How do you view all your parents as equal, as, mm-hmm. as it were? And how do you how do you equally get a fair representation of all parent voices? I find that the biggest challenge. I find that difficult. Definitely, because I guess what you want to avoid, um, you know, at all costs is just those parents who shout the loudest or those parents who um, are feeling quite confident about coming into school and engaging with with them, um, education staff. Um, whereas actually you want it to be representative. It's the same way as for young people. You want everyone's voice to be heard and then for you to take a kind of balanced uh, decision listen to that so I think yeah there is a real danger that a lot of these structures and formal processes that we have around parental engagement attract a certain type of parent Um, you know there's a I think there's also a there's barriers there to parents own experiences of school and um, whether that's a really negative experience and actually they don't even want to come in to parents evening or something like that so if they're not going to come to parents evening they're probably highly unlikely to engage in any decision making about you know improving the school or 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 feeding back their views um so i think that's a real challenge for us um i think it's difficult though because no school or no educator listening to this is going to be saying that the parent council is their only form of parental engagement you know? oh yeah sure um, that's just one example yeah it is I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the um the sort of barriers that that puts in place because there is a certain amount of kind of of um understanding or awareness or kind of confidence that would come with being able to put yourself forward to be part of that in what is quite a high level of engagement you know being mm-hmm. on the parent council involving yourself in decisions about how the school progresses and improves and decisions being made in that sort of forum is not for everybody but yeah we, there is there is no um there is no parent council that wouldn't want to have a wider engagement and there is no school that would just look at those people in that group and say well they are a fully representative body i suppose for me it's difficult because <clears throat> how how else do you do that do you know it takes yeah energy time and and um skill and a great amount of knowledge to be able to try and engage parents and i think mm-hmm. that i think schools are getting a lot better at it definitely um but there's still very much a notion and i'm not talking purely just from a personal perspective here i'm talking both as a parent i suppose and someone that's worked in schools and has been involved in education with a lot of people about it there still is quite a barrier and i don't know where that barrier comes from but a barrier between parents and professionals do you know and i think mm-hmm. you'd always say understand the merit of parental engagement and understanding that that is a hugely beneficial part of uh, improving outcomes and improving learning for for children and young people but there is still I would say a bit of a disconnect and actually mm-hmm. has that become even more common and I know I don't want to I think what you've given me three tokens to be able to talk about Covid during this whole conversation yes but has that not become even that's your first token by the way even I know it's okay I'm (laughs) quite happily here has that not that divide has that has that grown or in some ways has that sort of got closer together because I think it's probably both but I think there's been a lot of media coverage certainly between the kind of disconnect between parents and educators professionals uh, and there's been a lot of coverage given to that and I think yeah how do we reverse that because that doesn't just come from this crisis no I think I think you're absolutely right I think Covid has definitely or the this current setup you know using more technology um we're being much more creative about our events that we're putting on our parents evening and all on teams um we are um, recording sessions so that people can watch them at a later point and we're sending out a lot more communication um, more kind of regularly I think all of that has only enhanced um, the relationship between school and home 
Um, I guess for me, one of the key things is trust um, between school and, and families. And I think, I don't know if that's a societal thing or if that's, you know, because anecdotally you hear people talking about the trust of teachers and you would just agree with anything they've said because they're a teacher and they're held up in society for that. I think that has gradually been um, kind of reducing over the last kind of 10 years, I would say, certainly since I've been involved in education. Um, and I don't know why that is. It's maybe just the world now that we live in. It's much more connected. Um, it's much more instant. Um, so therefore, all these communications are much easier to actually have with people. But I guess what I was wanting to do, Jude, you spoke about um, kind of definitions. So I've got a definition here of parental engagement, um, just to kind of set the scene um, from Goodall and Montgomery 2014. So parental engagement can be considered as active involvement in learning. So such learning can take place in a variety of settings, including early learning, schools, the community, through family learning or at home. Um, so an interesting kind of um, look at it, because it's not just about the relationship between school and home, and, and that's really what we focused on so far. Um, but there's also the whole idea around educating and upskilling parents. Um, and, and that's a really interesting one as well, because that really comes back to your values, doesn't it, as to what you see your role as, as an educator. So is it just purely for young people? Or is it about supporting the parents of young people? Because in the end, by doing that, you're going to have better outcomes would be the theory for the young person. So it's time well spent. Yeah, that I mean, that's a massive topic in and of itself, isn't it? Mm. Right into the purpose of what is our, into the into into the depths of what is our purpose as educators? Like what is yeah. it we're to do as teachers, as kind of staff at the school? Is it, it's no longer really just about the child, is it? It's about, about, their environment, everything. Yeah, serving yeah. the needs of the community, as it were, being able to help co-educate and 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 move towards that these kind of core values, as you say, and about what it is about what education is about. For me, it's, there is a kind of interesting bit there about the active, uh, meaningful involvement in a child's learning, mm -hmm. and I think that for me is too broad in terms of the parameters of what that is because for us to say then that we could then place a parent or a single family along a continuum of active to non-active involvement in child's learning are we meaning purely school-based learning at that point or are we meaning kind of character-based learning moral yeah democracy sort of social justice and actually for us to be able to say then that just because a parent isn't engaging with what a school's agenda is in terms of learning, then mm -hmm. are they therefore parents who do not engage? And actually, I don't, I don't think that is the case. I think, I think that definition from Goodall and Montgomery suggests that I don't know. For for me, the dynamic there or the power dynamic still rests with teachers and schools within that mm -hmm. definition. And I don't know. I think I think maybe our the way that we're going to make pr progress with that is to recognise that that there is there is a part of that that we are the professionals and we understand elements of a child's learning better. We have a professional awareness, just as a doctor, as a professional, has an understanding of kind of medicine and biology, and a lawyer has a very professional understanding of the law. Teachers, we have a, a professional awareness and understanding of pedagogy, so about mm -hmm. what's the best kind of platform and grounds for a child to be learning. But that's a very small part of what I would deem to be a child's whole learning or the whole child. Yeah, absolutely. But I still agree that we haven't done enough as a profession to be able to break down those barriers because we are still a, a country, a society that are fixated on education is about qualification. Mm -hmm. And it's we touched upon that in our last um, episode when we spoke about the impact of the pandemic and um, that's your second card, by the way. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but it's three in total. So we've got one more. 
between us. Um, we talked about really how we might look at education quite differently um, in our last episode around the value of qualifications and the current setup that we have in these high stakes tests. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can give our last episode a listen. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. It is about what you value. Um, and I think who wouldn't want parents involved in in children's learning? Like that is just it's a no brainer, isn't it? Because parents know their kids really, really well. Um, they live with them. They know everything about them. Um, and actually, you would want school and parents to be working together on the same kind of page in terms of, you know, how they're doing stuff, the consistency of message, um, just that real partnership. Because if they work together, then surely that's going to be much more effective than working against each other or not working or communicating at all. What do you think? I think so. I, I really do think so. And I think that there is... I would say tension, and it goes back to what I was saying before about the tension that exists sometimes between parents and teachers. So there can sometimes be parents that might blame a school or the teachers for lack of progress, lack of academic progress. There might be teachers, educators, professionals on the other side blaming parents for lack of ambition, lack of mm-hmm. kind of integrity or lack of um, kind of access to resources and things at home. So there is this kind of blame culture that sometimes exists and that not all the time and obviously it doesn't exist in every single relationship but I would say there is a tension and only when there's the trust breaks down though I would say I think so and that's we're seeing elements of the trust being broken down on a kind of national scale and I think that's a difficult thing but I think that tension arises from what we're saying here about what we value in education and I think we have a lot to and obviously we're kind of duty bound to be able to to address that and think about what we could do better with that and I I do think that comes back to for instance like being able to have meetings with parents and bring in parents who aren't engaging them coming into the school can sometimes be so much of a barrier because they've had a really negative experience of school they Mm -hmm. might have been excluded from the very school that you are inviting them in to have a conversation about their child and their child's behavior for instance and there's this notion that because we are a kind of professional statutory service and there is a building where we've got access to meeting rooms and things that we can Mm -hmm. do that it's about we're thinking we're doing the right thing like come on let's come in and have a chat about it or come in for this bingo night that we've got set up or come in for this Christmas fair and people don't want to come in and we wonder about why they're not coming in and I think there is back to this divide that is there but how often do we and I think this is very good practice when it does happen, but how often do we go out into the community, for instance, and actually think about to be serving the needs of the community? Why aren't we doing more house visits? Why aren't we doing more uh, community um, active kind of experiences, you know, like kind of Mm -hmm. letter picks and going out into the community and talking about literacy education and going to the library? And part of the reason that doesn't happen is funds and it's to do with there being it's it's almost seen as a an additional thing you know parental engagement is something that we do but it's this person in the staff team that does it and they go away and do it and it's their responsibility but it's actually parental engagement should be like it shouldn't be a thing that we're even discussing here it should just be the way that yeah absolutely and i think your interesting point there around feeling like it's an add-on think that's a, a fairly common approach but I guess it dep- depends what you mean by that so if you mean reporting to parents I think most almost all teachers would say that is essential and you want parents involved when things are not going well and when they are going well but when you think of things like um, learning at home or family learning or homeschool link or involving parents in in things like school improvement planning or arranging community events, then probably people would generally see these as additional um, because it becomes a resourcing issue, as you said, um, and and we prioritise. We prioritise all the time as teachers, and that is sadly not always the priority because yeah. other things trump them, don't they? And whether it's staff absence or 
um, you know, other our, other priorities that come up that we're not aware of. Um, what do you think? Because I'm I'm conscious I don't want to just be a a platform here where we just agree with each other because that quite happens. <laughs> that could quite easily happen um, a lot of the time. What? Let's have a really um, rigorous debate around. Right. What? What do we? disagree with is there anything that we think is fundamentally wrong by the approach of parental engagement or we think that anything is as well we could learn here from it here's something that i'm going to be deliberately obtuse okay uh, and this is <laughs> kind of, it's a it's a kind of loosely held belief that maybe kind of mirrors actually something that i genuinely do believe and i want okay. to a bit go more. on um Primary schools are much better at parental engagement than secondary schools, and that causes significant problems for our young people. I would agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, stick up for your side of the profession here, then. Why is Stick it? up for my... Well, I think, right, and, and what I think, first of all, is you cannot possibly compare primary and secondary schools with the same level playing field, because there are so many differences here. So in my view, and I know this, you know, I'm happy to be challenged on this, you know, for a start, parents know their child's teacher in primary a lot better than they do the 14 teachers in the first year, um, you know, possibly a wee bit more, 16 teachers in the second year, and then it goes down to kind of four or five, but they generally change every year, whereas it's harder to get to know a group of teachers than it is one teacher who teaches your child, I would say. Okay, so then is the active ingredient, the active kind of key agent there, the individuals involved or what we're what we're kind of defining there in terms of that continuum between parental involvement at one end and parental engagement at the other mm -hmm. yeah just having a, a kind of superficial discussion or conversation about how your child is getting on in geography and history of course that's not going to be able to be possible but the parent being involved in the learning of their child back to what we're talking about there before about what what do we see as learning so it's our job at schools to be able to have children who are the best possible version of themselves yeah and if you define that into really narrow parameters like like your subject your first, there with yeah subject organizers yeah. i guess that should be or could be, if viewed slightly differently, just a very small part of it. Whereas actually, if we were then saying parental engagement is about character building and being the best human that they can be and how they get on with their integrous characters, parents can be involved with that just as any any person. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I guess what is different is in primary, I think you have that opportunity to build that trust over time with one person. I really believe that, you know, taking that, building any relationship takes time and it takes trust yeah. um, and it takes communication. And it, the logistics of dealing with one person as opposed to dealing with 14 people. And actually, in a secondary school, parents' first point of contact are generally the principal teacher people support, not the class teacher. So yeah. there's another thing that they have a principal teacher people support who knows them well and probably the relationship is better there. Um, but I think as well, if young people and their parents from primary school age, you know, any homework they've got, they're attending school shows, like their parents are, are encouraged to go on school trips. Like there's just a whole culture there where parents are much more involved and I'm not you know I'm not saying that it's right or wrong because I think I would love to see that in secondary school but I'm just not sure how feasible that would work um, um is there is there not an argument though that parents are kind of much further away from the learning that takes place in a primary school compared to the learning that takes place in a high school do you know if we're thinking about a big 
agenda in terms of developing the young workforce. Now, whether we agree or disagree with that, I think it's quite clear that I disagree with that. Like <laughs> that, you know, an element of parental involvement and parental engagement, is that something that could be done better and a, a way to kind of boost? Yeah, I think there's that, but I think sometimes the feedback we get from parents at parents' evening or just through discussion things with them is the intimidation part of it as well, or not intimidation, maybe that's not the right word, um, but parents feel, you know, they're not able to help their son or daughter with their standard grade maths, or sorry, not standard grade, what, I'm using old money, um, national four and five maths, <laughs> or, so I was because I was thinking of my school days, um, I, was, I had a picture of me in my primary school moving up to secondary there, um, so yeah, I think parents feel in my picture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, parents feel that they aren't able to help. If you look at a thing like helping your your son or daughter do their homework, I think they probably find it easier to help them do primary seven level maths or English or history, as opposed to, you know. And there's probably not much difference in first and second year um, in terms of the, the difficulty level, the jump up um, or complexity. But if I think it's maybe a perception around the difficulty and therefore maybe they're not helping their children as much with their, their homework. Um, they're maybe a wee bit more further back from mm. being involved with discussions about their learning. Whereas in primary, and I'm not meaning to devalue at all because I think this is the foundation on which we all, you know, where we start, then maybe it's just a wee bit easier for parents to involve themselves and engage with that kind of level of work. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I take that. I think, I think, um, I suppose part of what I was getting there was what are we, and it comes, it always comes back to, and it was the discussion right at the start of this, but what is it that we're meaning by parental engagement? So, is it is it something as visible as helping with homework, be, volunteering for a kind of developing the young workforce workshop day that you've got going? Mm -hmm. Is it coming to a Christmas concert? Actually, wh what are we trying to catch here? What are we trying to hold? Are we just trying to just get something that we can put on a spreadsheet and say, yes, we have seen that this parent, this many parents have engaged, therefore our parental engagement has increased? Or actually, is it just something that, happens that's invisible that's there that these children that are just arriving every day that are part of it then that is their parents being involved in their education yeah and that's maybe fairly true because I think you're right I mean I think of my own school we have we have a lot of parents almost all parents want their children to do well at school so there is engagement because yeah. you know stuff that we will not see them encouraging, motivating, you know, inspiring them, encouraging them to be ambitious. But that is all engagement in their child's learning. Yeah. Whereas as a school, you're quite right that the school, and this is the kind of product of our society nowadays, that we need to measure things and we need to evidence, you know, parental engagement. Um, and it's really hard to capture that because, as you say, what is the definition of that? And and I guess if I was to be my layman's definition of that would really be young people being supported in their learning, like by their parents. That's as simple as it has to be. And that could that that could kind of range from their parent attending parents' evening, could be them encouraging them doing homework all the way up to the chair of the parent council type thing. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that just back to the kind of burden of proof discussion there in terms of all the things that you mentioned there again are things that are quite tangible things that you can point to and it does sometimes lead to quite um sort of synthetic or shallow approaches towards parental engagement you know it's like let's do a survey so that we can measure how many parents have responded and then that we can say that we've had engagement let's do mm -hmm in a homework diary that can be signed by a parent so I can say that they've had engagement in their their child's learning. Let's host a 
parents' evening or a kind of parents' forum where we get people's views and opinions. But it's all just really so that we can put it in a folder to say we've done that. And obviously um, I'm not sure I would agree with that. Approach. But that's that's where these things come from, because actually, yes, there can be value that comes from them. But and, and I'm overly cynical here because this isn't 100 percent my opinion. on this. this is not, <laughs> I'm saying that it, in a very kind of crude way of looking at it, the reason that we do or we prioritise things like that are because they generate evidence that we can say that we've had parental engagement because a lot of good practice points towards these things work. Mm. But I think exploring the invisible, the small moments, the small openings are what we don't do well enough. And I think the yeah. bit about, and again, you've talked about it there, and it's this notion that I'm really fascinated with at the moment, the kind of learnification of of education about it being about learners and learning and about what what does that actually mean what does and it's almost like we've just claimed that word for it to be a purely school-based word where we are the only ones that mm-hmm. are suitable to be doing the learning to the children and then we're asking the parents to involve themselves in our view of what learning is but actually have we ever like kind of thought right how how involved how engaged are schools in the child's life, you know, in mm-hmm. the child's learning? Because actually, there's so much learning that takes place out with what we can see and do. And actually, if we prioritise our stuff over the, the, what the parent is given, and that kind of, and, and even just into how much of an understanding do we genuinely have of the communities that we serve? How much of an understanding do we have of the lives that the parents are leading? Do you know, like the mm-hmm. job that they do, the the money that they earn, their political beliefs, what they want for society, what they want for their children. These are the big conversations that I think we need to be having. And we're saying, well, this is what you want. Here's what we can provide. And this is how we can come together, both of us. And I don't think it's an equal relationship at the moment. And I think that's the, that's the barrier still. So a lot to unpack there. Um, but I was just going to say on the point you were just that I disagreed with you. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, no, one of the things I would disagree with you is we don't just do these things to tick a box. Like, I think there is a genuine will across the teaching profession to gather views and to improve things in school. Now, whether we always get that right um, is another question okay um, but clearly we're not always going to be able to please everyone either um, because people have a, you know it's quite a balancing act to make sure that the views of all of your parents are taken into account but then the expectation management around that to make sure that yes we're we're finding out your views on something or we're asking your opinion on something but it doesn't mean that we're always going to deliver exactly what the parent wants or expects because we have to look at that bigger picture but then I guess the other thing you're you're you've talked about quite extensively there is around the measuring of things and I guess and I don't know if this, this is maybe a bit of a cop-out that the reason we do that is because we're in a system that measures things you know every school is given a label for learning teaching and assessment you know, every school is rated on their attainment on a six-point scale. And there's that drive to improve the continuous improvement. Um, now, I agree with that continuous improvement because I think we always want things to be better. But, and I also think I agree, no, I definitely do, I agree with we need to question the so what in things. So why are we doing things? I don't think we can just do things because they're nice things to do. I think there needs to be a genuine impact on young people. And I think that's where this measurement culture comes from around, right, what is the impact? How do we measure that? And I think that's sometimes where we're, we're so desperate to measure it because we're, we're accountable. And, and, you know, it's public funds and public funds are stretched um, so that we get the best value um, for that. And so I think that's where that culture comes from. If it was a, you know, if, if money was no object and we were, we had loads of staff and we had loads of resource at our fingertips, 
then I think we would probably do things quite differently. Um, it's a difficult thing, though. I think that just accepting that that almost is just this kind of unalterable sort of truism of life that we are we are accountable. Therefore, we must measure. Therefore, these are the actions that we go through because they can provide measurements and it's this age-old conversation of do we measure what we value or value what we can measure and that's a really really important thing for us there's a, a quote that always comes back to me from this it's Nixon uh, that talks about it and he says the language is not just a different way of talking about the same thing it radically alters what we're talking about it constitutes a new way of thinking about teaching and learning and it affects how we teach so we can't just talk mm-hmm. about just say well it's just measurement and it's just the way that we do it and it's an accountability culture or it's an improvement culture that we're we're constantly wanting to improve that language that very language changes what we're talking about so when when we're talking about learning and this is what i've been getting at it's not when we're talking about learning we're talking about attainment qualification measurable outcomes but actually when we talk with parents about learning or what we could be talking with parents about learning could be a range of other things about all those things that I've just talked about there about things that aren't measurable mm. as such or should never be measurable or would dilute mm-hmm. the quality of them if we were trying to measure. But I'm not suggesting, that, I'm not suggesting at all that everything to do with learning has to be measurable. We were talking about a specific aspect of that. You know, I think absolutely we there are things that you cannot measure. But I'm sorry, I was talking about measuring things around parental engagement. You know, so if we have like a a parents evening or an open evening and we we ask views from parents, I wasn't talking specifically about young people's learning and measuring everything. I think it's all connected though, isn't it? It's all part of the system. Like your words there where we exist within a system and the system is only... We do, and that's the reality. That is like, the reality. Just like... I'm not saying we can't change that, but I'm, I'm not meaning to burst your bubble, but you on your own won't be able to change that. That's something that you would have to convince other people about. But also I think the reality as well that, you know, education exists within systems around the world and there's some... Um, highly effective systems around the world backed up by research um, and theory and practice papers that back that up you know so to suggest that we wouldn't have a system of education is I think it's quite naive. Is it naive though? Yeah I do. So it's, it's naive in the sense that why because it seems it seems not concrete or can't fit onto a spreadsheet no, I'm not saying everything needs to fit on a spreadsheet or, or be com- concrete. Because I, I, if you take the the idea around examinations, I've I've said very clearly. I think the current system of high stakes assessment at the end of a session is just not sustainable. And I think we've seen that from what's happened, and that's the final COVID um, remark on this podcast <laughs> this week. Um, <laughs> So we've seen what's happened there. And I think that just shows us that really we can do things quite differently where it's not high stakes assessment. It's not about what we are testing, teaching to test. Like it's much more holistic than that. And I think just to kind of try and steer this back to what we're talking about in terms of parental engagement. And you've thrown us way off course by disagreeing. (laughs) It'd be much easier if you just agreed and moved on because I was ranting and I like a rant, but... But just I know you kind of, do. Just to, to kind of almost summarise, I suppose, is what I'm saying is that your your discussion there was saying that we're existing within a system. And I agree. I totally agree in that there I my belief as a as a someone who is well within my rights as a registered teacher within Scotland to be critical of the system in which I agree, which you had said was I was being naive, but that's okay. What we'll say is actually yes there maybe is a naivety that exists there but there is maybe a an optimism that comes with that as well I think and I'm looking at a system that I think is a broken system and I think all parts of that system are connected so you are saying that 
you don't fully agree with a high stakes assessment culture that comes from, but everything comes from that because that is a measurable outcome that we're working towards. So therefore, parental engagement could be viewed through the lens of this will increase outcomes for children, which it often is. Parental engagement is a way to increase outcomes for children. And what I'm saying is that very discussion there changes the discussion. So it then puts the relationship back onto us as the formal educators so that we can reinstate and keep going with the status quo so that we don't look at the broken system so that any any challenge to the system can be seen as naive can be seen as wishy-washy and not concrete whereas what i'm saying is and i'm going to quote again at you here gramsci here i've got the pessimism of intellect but the optimism of the will to be able to look at that and say yes i know that this is broken and i know that we exist within the system and we probably can change it but I really think that we might be able to if we keep having these conversations. <laughs> too far? Is that too far of a rant? Probably, I would say. You, um, no, I, do you know, I don't disagree with you per se. I mean, I do a lot with some of the things you've said, but my key, key point here, I think, is it's steady progress isn't it so if we can if we can evidence that or not even evidence if we can make sure that for example there is no high stakes assessment at the end of a, a senior phase for young people then that is huge progress because for decades and decades and decades that has been the Scottish education system that and bogging. That's it. Yeah, of course. However, it, it's incremental, and it's not going to be the big bang push that I think that you're advocating for. But anyway, we've come off topic because you've gone on one of your rants again. It's all connected, and I think <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just how, I mean, I think it's gone off on a topic and I get that. I think, again, the argument was that it is all connected. And if, if, if we are going through a kind of accountability culture, which we are, parental engagement changes what we're talking about. And actually, if we were going through a thought experiment there saying, right, do you know what, all formal qualifications from a high stakes assessment have gone. How does that change the way that you approach parental engagement within your school? That would enormously. Okay, so here's an argument for you then. How do you, um, so if you were just allowed to do whatever you want, how would you ensure that a school in Livingston was providing a similar service or a consistent approach and was equitable to a young person receiving an education in Edinburgh? If we didn't have accountability. Because you're, you're, you're assuming that there's no accountability. And I know that there's a comfort that comes with just giving you a playbook for how I think this would work. And I suppose that's part of where it would come across as being naive or, or kind of... You know, really hung on to naive. I mean, you, said, <laughs> you called me naive. <laughs> That's because you're my friend and I love you. <laughs> I think I'm not allowed to talk about COVID, so I'm now talking No, no. And I, I get this. This is a, a very serious sort of, um, uh, for, so critical pedagogy and Paolo Freire and how we look at the world and criticise the kind of dominant structures around us is a very kind of credible school of thought. Oh, without a doubt. And you know I love a debate. I do. What I'm saying is that with that, and if you're thinking about criticising the systems that you're in, it's that whole mm -hmm. kind of, I'm going to totally misquote this, but it's the, 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 the kind of, the master's house isn't dismantled by the master's tools. Like we yeah. cannot, we cannot fix this system from within the system, as it mm -hmm. were. And I know yeah. that people might be thinking, they were meant to be talking about parental engagement, what are we talking about here? I'm thinking <laughs> Any conversation about parental engagement is grounded within what is our current system. So my kind of argument against it is that if we're viewing parental engagement as an ultimate goal of improving children's outcomes at the end of it, that skews the debate. So what I'm mm -hmm. saying is, how could you possibly 
be saying to me that the needs of a community in Livingston are exactly the same as the needs of a school in Edinburgh. Now, there are going to be similarities. There are going to be things that would go across that. But as soon as you start to try and pigeonhole them, what you are saying then is that that consistent measure is there so that we can measure it, so that I can I can measure you against one another, rather than actually saying our sole purpose here is to meet the needs of the community. Now, the needs of the community would be met by making sure that they can get a good job, making sure that they can be the best version of themselves, making sure that they can contribute to the economy, which is important. But what I'm saying is the consistency for me isn't the important part. You've got your hand up. Yes. Yes. Um, so in terms of consistency was maybe not the right word, but what about standards? Standards are important because what if what if you get someone who thinks actually, do you know what, I'm just going to talk to people what if you get a different perception as to what they think is important so you have teachers who will have different views about pedagogy about um, what is important what should be in the curriculum but what brings us all together and some people disagree with it some people agree with it but there is a certain level at which everyone has to achieve so how would you ensure there was a, a standard approach? Yeah, but I see, I, I disagree. You don't with, think it's important to have I standards? I disagree with standardisation. So I how would you measure way, I disagree with the way that, sta- how would you measure? You're fascinated with measurements, aren't you? How standardisation, I, I understand, is for, for a profession, is something that is important and is something that combines us bind us together for a a kind of common discourse. It can give us uh, a place for us to be starting from. But what I think it does is it creates a dangerous and toxic culture where we can where we can compare ourselves against one one another, where we can put ourselves in league tables, where we can say that actually what you're doing isn't as good as what I'm doing because we need to be standard and uniform. Now I, surely without no, I'm sorry. I'm surely without thank standards. Thank you for waiting. Surely, <laughs> <laughs> the point that I'm making here is that, that this isn't. This isn't. It's not a science. It's not. It's not a science. No one's saying it's science. No. So what we're saying is that if we're approaching this through the same way that if we're saying like there's a medical advancement here and that is a universal medical advancement across the board, so that we can rule that out from. But there are standards and pathways within the medical world yeah, that make sure there's a consistency of approach and a minimum level of service given to it lends itself patients. Well, but to view education and, and, and what education is actually about as a similarly um, kind of uniform... So how would you staff? determine which skills are important if it's up to individual teachers and individual schools and there's no commonality, there's no sharing of practice, no, no discussion so, no, about editorial what is important, saying, what is important saying, in education? I'm saying, I'm saying what's important in education is more about humans building relationships educators being highly educated to a degree what do you mean by that though highly educated what does that mean highly educated in pedagogy and in understanding how to meet the needs of a full range of experiences that they find in front of them not you need a system for that you need a system to make sure that there are standards that teachers uphold that they're measured against that standard. Like you can't just take away a system and just still expect there to be a highly qualified profession. You know, the GTC exists to make sure that they uphold the the standards within teaching across Scotland. And wipe that away in one foul swoop, Mr. Mark. I love love what you're saying here in terms of just deliberately. You can tell I'm having so much fun. I'm reminiscent of our days when we used to lift share. Yeah, Um, no. And these were the points that we would fall out with one another. (laughs) I would get the car. We're probably probably much more polite nowadays. (laughs) So, and I, I understand what you're trying to do. And you're trying to force me into, and this is, this is, often the way to try (laughs) challenge a discussion that's looking at a dominant system it's it's basically trying to say well 
the problem is with you, not with me. We're not going to change our system because our system works because we are powerful and we are. I, well, I what you're saying? I don't think I said that. No, you're editorialising me again. Well, uh, what I'm trying to say is, you've gone to an extreme of my argument. I'm going to an extreme with your argument. What what yeah. I'm trying to say here is, I am working within the standards that I'm bound by. I'm not saying that standards are a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is what I would see as a more healthy or a more constructive profession is a profession that invested heavily in teacher development, in teachers understanding the children in their community, in their school, the children in front of them, being able to have the time to engage in action research, being able to have the time to engage in CPD opportunities and house visits and being able to work with social workers and being able to work in the community. But we do not have that luxury, as we've said at the start of this, because our system does not permit it, because our system is weighted heavily towards qualification rather than the socialising element or the element of children finding out who they are as humans. Now, you say that to me that okay we need standards for that we need a spreadsheet we need a tool mm, it, i don't think i've said that tell me how to do that and what i'm saying here is that i don't believe in anarchy i'm not saying that i just think i have to get rid of absolutely everything what i'm saying is and it's a conversation that applies to so many areas in the curriculum at the moment and in education at the moment it applies to diversity and equity and how we look at uh, how how race is portrayed in in Scottish education as well and what we have to look at it and say the reason we've got to this point is because something was broken so we kind of just continue the way that things were we have to look at it and say we have to do this differently and I don't agree I passionately don't agree that standardization and, uh, and a kind of measurement and a uniform and a consistent approach is the way that we're going to do that because we cannot say and actually then let's just look at the kind of the 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 the, the how bizarre it is that we have one document that tells us what is good practice in Scottish education for every school in Scotland, be that uh, a, a kind of small rural school with 30 pupils or a school with 650 pupils. We're all bound by the same standard, how good is our school process? That's that's not good practice that can't be but that's what that's your gospel that's what you're saying that you're holding mm, your head i don't think i i think if you rewind the tape you, you would not have heard my voice in the last minute <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna edit you out i'm just gonna have <laughs> just, just rant <laughs> i think you, i believe you would do that as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if nothing else, I have had a very enjoyable evening. <laughs> Me too. Thanks. I've really enjoyed it. I don't think we've we've discussed everything. We definitely no. didn't any good practice about parental engagement. But... No, we didn't. Um, but a good debate there, I think. Um, and, you know, I threw in a few um, live <laughs> ones there just to uh, just to liven up the conversation there. Um and I hope that you're still with us and you're still listening if you switched off some time ago. Um, but now we're going to probably move on um, to talk about our sponsors. So John Cat Publishing um, sponsor this episode. Um, and in this next segment, um, I'm going to ask Jude a wee bit more about a book he's been reading. So he's been reading Tom Bennett's running the room. So I'm going to ask for succinct responses here, Jude, because I want there to be a discussion, not a monologue. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so in two sentences, what is the book about? It's a book about practical research-based approaches towards behaviour management. Okay, very good. Um, give me two practical approaches. So this is where we have to be a wee bit more, or a wee bit less succinct. I think. <laughs> I suppose, can I? Can I? Can I? Um, this is the quick fire round, dude. Come on. <laughs> clarify. 
I think a big part about it is, or one of the main things about it for me, right at the start of it, and I'm, I'm, I've not read the whole thing yet, it's really, really interesting so far, but the biggest thing is about behaviour is, is a curriculum. You need to teach behaviour. It's not something that is there and just kind of omnipresent it's something that it's your job as an educator to be able to teach so there's loads of things that come from that but that's the kind of overall approach to it basically okay okay and what has challenged you about your assumptions to reading this book so well one of the main reasons that i wanted to read this book is that i've read a lot about Tom Bennett uh-huh. and I think the kind of the discussion that's come before and me being on my soapbox and ranting away there is kind of worlds apart from what I think Tom Bennett and a lot of his kind of contemporaries would would believe in as well or certainly right. a lot of the reading that I've done and um, I know that Tom Bennett there was quite a lot, or it was kind of often portrayed as sort of the kind of antithesis to Paul Dix and restoring yeah. approaches. Um, so I, I, and I quite passionately do believe in restorative practice and yeah, relationships. And so I suppose the thing that's challenged me most, most, most about it has been that I don't disagree with a lot of stuff that he's writing about. And previously, oh, right. I agreed with a lot of the stuff that he's writing about. But actually, what I wanted to do was to kind of really broaden my understanding of behaviour management. It's something that I'm passionate and interested in. And I thought, I want to understand the other side more. And I want to understand mm-hmm. that. And I've always viewed sort of Tom Bennett stuff as the other side. And I think maybe wrongly, because actually a lot of what he's talking about does make a lot of sense. But a lot of what he speaks about is really heavily grounded in research, in research papers and experimental, um, like experiments, things that are happening where they can look and point to research. And I think that goes back to what I'm saying in terms of, I don't think you can dilute or reduce the kind of full gamut of the human experience down to a well-researched paper in a laboratory, you know? And I think (laughs) it goes wrong. But a lot of what he's talking about so far is really sound advice and really good advice that I would give to to teachers that I'm working with or or kind of younger teachers new to the profession. So it is really interesting, really interesting. So what's your takeaway then, if you were going to recommend one thing from it or you were going to go and do it next, um, what would you take away from reading and engaging with Tom Bennett's Inside the Classroom? So... Yeah, I think back to the bit there about, and this is quite a liberating thing, I think, because it changes your whole scope on how you respond to behaviour. Behaviour for me is just totally wrapped up in emotion and ego and and who you are as a person. And when you have children misbehaving towards you and, and or presenting in a particular way or trying to communicate something to you, however you kind of view that, that way that they're not, complying with what your view or wanting you doing what you had wanted them to do or disrupting learning if you view it as a learning opportunity to be a, a, a case of actually we need to educate this young person to behave better or to behave mm-hmm. in a way that is more in line with them reaching their fullest potential seeing it as a learning opportunity rather than as a as a, something to be punished or to be rewarded and kind of to try and kind of motivate them through those means actually seeing it as an opportunity for you to think actually yep that that child does not have that skill yet and I need to help them develop that skill I've found that quite a liberating um perspective okay cool I like that's really quite um I guess refreshing isn't it just to to have something that you were probably anticipating was going to really challenge you and you were going to disagree with. But it sounds like actually you've enjoyed the read. You've taken from it um, a few kind of things that you think, actually, that's not so distant to my own viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, I've not got to the chapter on sanctions yet. <laughs> that's where... Mm, that's probably the most controversial part, is it not, of behaviour management and even the language around that. So 
Yeah, maybe worth um, coming back to that once you've read the chapter on sanctions, because that could be a total game changer. And we can maybe continue this discussion in our next episode, and I can tell you where I'm at in the in the Tom Bennett book at that point. But it's um, really interesting. I would definitely recommend it, because it, it will definitely be a catalyst for conversation and for thought. Thank you, Jude. We will be back um, providing you regular podcasts. As usual, um, interact with us on our Twitter account, which is at edubleather. Um, and we look forward to continuing the discussion with you. And we will speak to you soon. John Cat Educational are a leading publisher of professional development books for educators around the world. Check out their titles at johncat.com.